0: Welcome, welcome, welcome. We are on our live feed on Monday. Got a special set of folks with you today. We've lost our Paul, which is a bit sad. He is at a rollerblading tournament. He's competing as a alternative goaltender. We'll be really happy to hear about that. But we've got Coach Dub filling in for him today. We've got Ian Boyd and, of course, our fearless Eric Nolene. We want to get into this as soon as we can, get into your questions. So we'll start with one of the questions on the board which was which position group, if you were to rate them, and we'll start with you, Eric, if you were to rate our position groups from strength to weakness with this particular set of folks, where are you putting them? Who are you putting on the top?
1: Oh, man. Yeah. So we started doing this offline uh, you know, 15 minutes ago and uh, we rearranged it. Each of us rearranged it quite a bit. Uh, What we noticed is uh, it's a very evenly talented, uh, the, the, the talent distribution is pretty even across the board. So I mean there's a there's a million different ways to 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 argue this one. I've got edge number one, I've got wide receiver number two, I've got quarterback number three, I've got cornerback with nickel, I've got i I've got to put jude Barron in there as well, and, and Jalen Gilbo at four, offensive line at five, running back at six, defensive tackle at seven, linebacker at eight, safety at nine, and tight end at ten. But, I mean, I pretty much hate the list already just
0: just reading it off like that. <laughs> Ian, any, any additions or subtractions you want to make to that?
2: Well, I have the right list uh, right here. So I'll read oh, you perfect. the right list. <laughs> the right list. <laughs> okay. <clears throat> I got quarterback number one, wide receiver number two.
1: That's good. Ed-
2: edge number three, cornerback number four, offensive line number five, defensive tackle six, Mm-hmm. Safety seventh. I don't feel great about that one. Tight end eighth. Running back ninth. And inside linebacker tenth.
0: Coach, what is what is the composition of these lists? The the fact that we're we're dealing with it in these order telling you
3: um that we got a pretty a balanced team. Honestly, uh, yeah, that's what really I would say. Wrong, which that's a good thing because you I mean you got a good team. You can't find a hole. Can't find a weakness.
0: So, Coach, we've got a question for you. This is one of our super chats. If you want to make sure that your question absolutely gets asked, I can't guarantee that it's going to be answered with any kind of competence, but we'll definitely ask the question. We've got our first one tonight from Brett Nelson. Brett is asking. Brett's a big fan. We lo- we love having Brett here, so thank you for that, Brett. What? So, Coach Williams, give me the top three DFW prospects that you've seen or heard of. Um, are we going twenty twenty three here uh, or twenty twenty four? I'm sorry. Let's go this next class. Like, I'm assuming that's what Brett wants.
2: What's says ever seen? Is, ever, ever seen? It you, yeah,
0: you're absolutely right. So you got to, unfortunately, you got to throw Kyler
1: Murray on there, probably. Yeah, okay.
3: definitely. Kyle's gonna be number one, right? Um, that's a that's an easy choice. Um, I don't know. I I'll say BJ Johnson is gonna be my number two. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah, uh, he was. He was that guy. Uh, and if I'm going number three, I would go Vy. There you go.
0: Wait, w. It's DFW. He's Houston, man. Oh, look
3: DFW. There. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I look up. Oh, I'll say everything. I'm a third. DFW. This is a
0: high pressure situation, Coach. Yeah, I understand yeah. this is your first live, but you need to step it up a little bit.
3: Let me see, man. My, my DFW. Let me see. It's
1: uh, <laughs> like, like back in the day when you'd be at the Red Box and somebody would be behind you trying to get a movie and you just. Yeah, <laughs> come it feels like, right? to,
3: as quick oh, as possible. I'm, trying, I'm really trying to think here. That, that's tough. Because um, that's a lot of guys. Somebody's going to be disappointed. So let's do this. Let's go, the late Cedric Benson. How about that? No, DFW. Right. Good grief, he's not DFW. So. <laughs> this is tough, man. Hold on, now. I, hey, hey, I hate these
1: questions. When they get that, I, I try to get you off and running with Kyler. That's what I was doing there.
3: Well, Kyler was well. That's easy, right? Yeah. yeah. I Kyler, then I go BJ. If I'm going third, let's think DFW though, man. That's, that's hey, funny. just
1: hey, just keep thinking about it. We the won't ever show until you come up with it. It's
3: an hour long
0: show, coach. got loads of time.
3: William Cole from
0: Cedar Hill, there we go. Okay, great. I fully accept. So what is the, uh, so this is the question we stroke. Thank you again for that, Brett. That that got us way more airtime than it probably deserved. So here's a question about our dime package. And I'm trying to understand the syntax of this question. Maybe you can help me out here, Ian. What is the I- ideal dime look for Texas? Blackwell <laughs> is a linebacker?
2: I The ideal dime look for Texas probably does not include Blackwell at any position. Okay. Um, he's not. He's not. Uh, this is sounded maybe kind of harsh. He's not he amazing did. in coverage, um, and he's not one of the better blitzers. So there's just really no point. Um, he may. I mean, he may be a starter next year at one position or another. But if they're building a dime look, which they haven't really done before, to me and Paul's great consternation, um, it would be something like a. It might be like a two-three-six. Like two defensive tackles, because the defensive tackles are good pass rushers on this team. That's not like the where the question marks are on defensive tackles, not pass rush. Um, two edges, and then another linebacker, which would be Ann Hill. And then uh, just another safety hanging around the box as a sort of pseudo linebacker. And uh, who that would be, I actually don't really know who would fit well there. Why don't, you just play, why don't
1: you just play Derek Williams, Makuba, and uh, and Michael Taft back there at safety and leave today Baron at nickel?
2: Yeah, somebody's got to drop in the box. I'm not sure who that'd be. Maybe it will just be all of them at one point or another. Honestly, though, they probably won't do it anyway, or they would have done it before. I, I can
1: see why I mentioned Maurice Blackwell because he's trying to get sort of versatile pieces out there which is Maurice is kind of known for but he's known for that more because his body type is that is more of a tweener but he's actually more of a linebacker than he is a safety he had trouble in coverage as, as a safety which is why they moved him back to linebacker he's got a linebacker disposition um, he doesn't know that he's 210 pounds he doesn't play like he's 210 pounds uh, and so it's it it's counterintuitive. Most times you see a guy that's a converted safety, you would say, hey, you know, Dime would be a good fit. Obviously, that worked well for
0: DeMarvin Overshown for a year or so. Uh, but that's not exactly his, his skill set. Right. Moving on to the infinite knowledge of the NCAA, we've got some, uh, some news coming out that they are considering moving signing day up until, I believe it's early December. Is that right, Eric? Yeah, the Wednesday before the conference championships in December, which is equally bad time. Yeah. <laughs> it's amazing. So I mean, how does this why don't and this is a little bit more of a, a a bigger scale question, but why don't they just have year-round signing day? Why can't the kid just sign when he wants to sign and then it's a done deal?
1: Well, I mean, I have thoughts on that. And you know, obviously there's a lot of me that believes in personal freedom of doing stuff like that. At the same time, man, that is going to get tricky because those kids are going to get a letter of intent put in front of them while they're on campuses. Um, there's a lot of adults that get taken over the rail over raked over the coals buying a new car. Uh, that's this. Now you got to add, you know, think about them being a 17 year old kid with these guys that have these refined sales pitches, man, there's going to be a lot of, there's going to be a lot of uh, poorly thought out decisions if, if it goes down like that. I mean, you know, I, I, it, it's setting up the kid to be made a victim. Um, and, you know, I don't think people have thought it all the way through. These guys are going to be pitching them very hard on campus with an LOI right in front of them. They're going to have a guy from the collective showing them whatever that collective has to offer, uh, and you're going to see a lot of kids making quick quick decisions that weren't uh, all the way th- thought through.
2: You could see like um, so like some of the smaller schools, to Eric's point, are really good at getting in on a kid early and getting them committed. Like say like a Western Michigan when P.J. Fleck was there or, uh, you know, whatever, Oklahoma State. You, you can just ima- easily imagine a kid – like he's blowing up for the first time. He gets like a great offer from Oklahoma state or Western Michigan, whatever. Texas. Tech. Then, Texas. And he's tech like would be a good one. Texas tech. Yeah. Awesome. He, but he's like a sophomore and then he really blows up. And then now it's like, Oh, I could have signed with Auburn. I could have signed with Alabama, Texas, whatever. I could have been making way more money. Could have gotten a total. And I just was excited as a 16 year old. I had no idea that football was going to have so much to offer me. And now I'm, like, locked in, you know. So, Elsie, your idea is just terrible.
0: Yeah, no, i gather Charlie,
3: that. Charlie, what do you think? Uh, here's my thing. It's going it's to hurt the kids. I and mean, you still got to deal with the portal kids on, on top of that. So um, it may help the group of five schools, right? It'll help the schools itself, but it's going to hurt the kids. Uh, because those kids who could have went to Texas or somebody, they're going to fall to a UNT just because. I mean, <laughs> the best offer at the time. I'm, I'm just throwing oh, it out there because yeah. it's so cool, But uh, you know, <laughs> They're they're pretty early on guys, right? In the DFW area before they blow yeah. up. So it was kind of like, okay. I got this kid now before Texas or somebody jumped on them. And they have to sign because they, they they don't think they're going to get that Texas offer instead of, you know, waiting for it. So
0: so, yeah. so Charlie, what is what is the solution then, coach? I mean, you you you've been around this a long time, especially from the kid's perspective. What's what's an ideal situation for the kids in this in this spot?
3: Make it make it make it in January, right? Because those kids still want to enroll early. Make it just in one in January. It used to be in February. You know, make it in January for the kids who wants to want to enroll early. Uh, that's what I would do for football, honestly. Just make it one month. Everybody sign on the same day. Either you enroll in January or enroll in August, uh, in June. So, uh, just make it all in one at one time.
1: See, I like August. A lot of kids like to get it done and finalized um, for their senior season and worry about that. Um, I think I would do it. They can still commit, obviously, in August either under Charlie's plan. Uh, but I like having a – I would like having it done. If I was a head coach, a college coach, I would want them locked up in August. And there's a lot of kids that, that have enough information. Uh, as long as they can get out, you know, if the head coach – there's you know, coaching carousel is always going to factor in. As long as they still have that out card. I would do August and then another one in February.
2: They maybe can always, January, Maybe
1: January for the early enrollees.
2: They can always transfer now immediately anyway before they even enroll. Like Xavier Worthy or uh, uh, Julian Saein recently, so yeah, they're not yeah. unprotected,
0: right? So, Coach, this is a this is a serious question that I want you to to consider. I'm not going to put it on the screen, frankly, because it's it's a paragraph long. But the the objective is this: Why don't we do a short yard pa- short yard package? Teach Kelvin Banks to take a straight handoff. And let him run tailback blast from the power eye with two of the biggest meanest D tackles we've got. How do you feel about that?
3: Somebody's been watching a lot of UNLV tape, right? Well <laughs> <laughs> that, that's what that is. Uh, we called that package Godzilla, um, and <laughs> ran that. So, yeah, you had to go back and look at a couple of games, but it worked in, in short yardage, How you,
0: how how effective was that? I'm gonna say we
3: scored three three out of three times on it. So
0: I would say that's relatively Fair effective. Effect, then, yeah. yeah, all right. <laughs> how how far out? What's the furthest out you were when you ran that? Uh, Twelve yard line. Twelve yard line. Okay, yeah,
2: I need to go look that up now. Yeah, we'll I definitely want
3: to see
0: up. that. Wyoming
2: okay. or one of those things yeah. Okay, I'm going to look that up later. Yeah, yeah.
0: What is the? So let's talk a little bit. What are our thoughts on Lance Jackson making a huge jump in the on three hundred? All
1: right, it had to happen. I was, you know, I was celebrating that that guy committing. Um, The article I wrote when he committed was about it was not going to receive enough fanfare because he's committing so early, Uh, kind of, you know, happened quick. There wasn't a huge buildup. Texas wasn't really holding off uh, a heated rival like, you know, the hype really drives some of those uh, the the perceived value of some of these guys up when you're beating A&M for a kid or OU for a kid um so I think he went underappreciated just based off off that but he's he's an absolute stud you know back in the fall I wrote you know 10 favorite guys in the class he was one of them I didn't care if he was that edge or tight end he's that good um so I think that you know on three just finally caught up to what I thought and I, I think there's still the the rest of the the industry is behind on it but that kid's a total beast I mean you know I can make a case for him being a five star and, and uh what like I said you know when they when they got that commitment he's going to be one of the five
0: best players in the class so people need to celebrate it accordingly how does how does our how does an affiliation with on three work in terms of the in terms of the way that we work do they do they listen at all to to us and our our opinions on these kids?
1: Um, you know I think sometimes I can I could tell that they've read our work um you know they'll say something that's quite similar maybe that's coincidence or not you know normally they'll just ask us to forward kids I, i'll send a couple kids a week usually if i i come across them normally it's a kid in a class or two ahead right uh, they, yeah they don't solicit our opinion on uh, on rankings which <laughs> you know i think i think inside texas wishes they would a little bit more but uh that's a tough job to do you're never going to please everybody you're going you're going to be hated by every fan base because even if you get one guy uh, right the next guy you might get wrong i mean it's just it's a thankless job for sure.
2: The uh, the Aggies definitely think that inside Texas just creates all the rankings for on three.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and and our guys are always taking a, a bath. You know, they're always they're always uh, dropping in the on three rankings. Arch was the number one player forever, and then at the last minute he was like number two or three, right. which I thought was ridiculous. Um, Arch. If anything, Arch got better his senior year. His his one question uh, going into the in that season was, you know, is his arm strength going to come around? Which I knew it would, But, of course it did. His arm strength is never ne- never in question anymore. So I don't know, man. Rankings are rankings are, are funny. I, I like them because I try to, you know, there's there's nothing but truth in evaluation. They don't care about you know whether or not I like the kid. They don't care about whether or not I dislike the kid. It's just about you know what's on the tape, uh, what I've heard uh, from behind the scenes on the kid. Is he going to work hard? Is he a maximizer? If he's not going to maximize, then then he's going to get dinged. Uh, if I don't think he has a good fit, uh, he's going to get dinged there. If I think he's going to a school that doesn't isn't going to uh, develop him, he's going to get dinged on that. Uh, but then the flip side happens. A lot of guys make really good decisions, and and that's gonna that should be reflected in, in the rankings.
0: I want to transition a little bit back to uh, our friends over the NCAA. Um, as some of you that may know that are following this at home, there has been uh, an injunction. There's an NIL deal basically going on between the NCAA and the University of Tennessee, wherein the NCAA has basically squandered any opportunity to have any sort of legislative and or jurisdiction over this NIL thing. So they've they've sued, essentially, and there's been an injunction that's happening right now. And what's really fun about this, and I want to read this quote, this is from This is from our NCAA president, former governor governor of Massachusetts. And and I'm going to take this massive paragraph and really condense it down to the final sentence where he says, we will get back to you on the ruling shortly. I find this to be amazing that in spite of all of the things that are going on, the NCAA seems to just keep pushing it down the road. This is not a new thing for them. I'd love to hear your thoughts on this, where you think. And this is all speculation, guys, but where do you where do you see this going? Ooh, any
1: lawyers here? Yeah. Um, as far as Texas goes in the new NIL thing, I don't think um, I don't think anything's going to change in the immediate. Texas still has its state laws to adhere to, at least in theory. Uh, I don't think uh, as W.W. MacLeod on, a, on the board who has read all the legislation, uh, for some reason, that guy—he's he's a bit of a sicko. If you're going to sit down and read all that legalese. of course he's a lawyer. Uh, apparently, there's no uh, arm for for Texas to be punished if they do uh, start negotiating with kids directly. Uh, but that doesn't sound like the Texas I know. The Texas I know cares about optics still to the to the degree that they're going to follow the rules even if they aren't going to get punished for not. Uh, but Texas is going to want to wait till the last minute, like it always has, when uh, to, to broach the NIL question. And the, the reason they do that is because they think it helps their selection process finding kids that are going to Texas for the right reasons rather than just the cash grab. Uh, cash grab kids might not uh, have the motivation you're looking for. It goes back to what we were just talking about in the evaluation process, whether or not they're going to maximize. Uh, so they really like money to be kind of the, the, the final thing that ever gets brought up. Um, you know, every once in a while you hear about a kid, you know, learning about a little quicker. But uh, normally that's a, a player that's that's quite motivated to, to get to the NFL and, and really make money. Uh, but for the most part, they don't want to mess up their selection process, uh, which, you know, if you start talking about money, right, I, imagine a, imagine trying to find a woman and the first thing you do or the first thing she asks you at the bar, this has happened to all of us men, I'm sure, um, is, you know, what do you do for a living? You know, when you're 23 years old, <laughs> it's going to sound a lot different than when you're 45 years old or whatever, or 50, um, and, you know, so that you're going to get married for the wrong reasons if if that's not a deal breaker for you. And so they're looking for things that aren't deal breakers.
0: Right. Ian, is there anything you want to you want to elaborate or add to talking to women at bars?
2: I don't have I have <laughs> so very little to offer there. Um okay. all right, that's
0: fine. Let's just go back to Brett Nelson there. He's providing us a ample okay. amount of content that we can talk to. Is the 2025 team still seen as having a higher ceiling ceiling than this year's team?
2: Boy. Maybe. I mean, with the portal, it's hard to tell. Like Right. Between, between so, now and then, they could add the best play wide receiver in the country in the transfer portal, and the best, um, you know, lineman or, or cornerback or something. And then maybe Arch Manning played in three games and looks amazing. It, it's it's hard to it. For sure, twenty twenty five is no longer so much the year that we're looking forward to because right. Quinn Ewers is back. We all thought for a long time that it'd be like. Take a couple lumps with Arch Manning in year one in 2024 and then go at it in 2025 with a veteran Arch and uh, a really veteran line and whatever. But now between Quinn coming back and a couple portal maneuvers and other, you know, Alfred Collins coming back and Jade Barron coming back, it's different, yeah. different ballgame.
1: Yeah, NIL and the portal can help you uh, fix your roster cycle in a hurry. And so 2025 looked like the year – uh a year ago but then look at everything that happened in december and which each of those moves i was it was really catching my attention like oh man they're they're building to win it next year too and so you know 25 was kind of viewed as the season based on the recruiting roster cycles you know loading up in 2022 2023 um but now because of the portal and, and nil it's you know it's pretty much going to be every year
0: they've they're definitely in the championship window for the next three seasons we well, do you feel and this is a question for you coach And and Arch is a unique player, a player that's been able to develop staying on, even on the sidelines, not getting much game time. How much of an advantage is that going to be for him going in and starting? Or is it just, is it really going to be an issue of he's just got to get that, that game speed down?
3: I'm going to say this, no matter how good he is developing, getting all the extra practice reps in nothing uh, substitute for real live game reps. Right. I think, We saw a little glimpse of that when he got in, you know, missed on a couple throws, but it looked good. He made the right decisions. It looked like he was making the right decisions. He took off and ran when he needed to. So I think he just needs more game reps, no matter how much we hear about him behind the scenes or he's getting to work back at home. uh, Nothing substitutes plan. So um, we'll see uh, when he's actually thrown out there, you know, how he looks when people are actually game planning versus him and, you know, really studying tape on him. Let's see.
0: 2025 seems to be a popular topic in the chat. We're going to go to Jeff here and he's curious about the 2025 schedule. Is it going to be flipped version of 24? And I'm not entirely sure. Have we I don't believe this year's schedule with the exception of uh, Michigan maybe is home and home is it when it gets into the league? Oh man, I've got to look at the schedule for that. I am trying to find it right now. I don't I don't necessarily <laughs> think it's a flip. Yeah. Version. I don't,
1: I don't have it memorized. I know they go to obviously the, the Red River shootout um and then Georgia's at home. And then where do they go after that? I was looking at it today too. I think it might yeah, be. They because... go to Vanderbilt after they go to Vanderbilt after having Georgia at home.
0: Oh, I think what they're, what he's talking about is the schedule after this year. Is it going to oh. flip over? Oh no,
1: no, no. I don't, I don't think so. No, uh, I think it's a brand uh, new. No, they're going to, there's going to be some overlap. I, I believe they will play A&M and m they will get A&M at home. Uh, in
0: 2025, uh, there's going to be some overlap, but I don't think it's going to be uh, completely over- overlapping again. Sticking with 2025, this is more on the recruiting side. Who, who are the can't miss 25 offensive and defensive recruits?
1: Well, I think the Corian Moores can't miss it. Wide receiver, um, we were having a chat about it today. You know, some of the Duncanville players haven't necessarily panned out. Wide receiver is a pretty easy position to pan out, especially if you go to a school that's got a great track record of it. Um, just elite. He's got elite skills, you know. You can see him, he's got you know, he's not quite as fast as Xavier Worthy, but he's nearly as fast. And but he's just got better soft skills, he's got uh, better ball skills, better hands. And I think he's shiftier after the catch, maybe not straight line speed that Xavier has, but very few have that. Uh, so to me, he's can't miss. Um, you know, at, at defense, you know, I've got my guy Zion Williams, he's not rated all that highly. Uh, I don't quite get that one, but when I look at a big defensive lineman, I want to see the that he's got the mental side there too, because the bigger you are, the harder football is to play. And so he, he's big and he's got the mental side down. Um, I think he's got a very high ceiling as far as uh, playing interior defensive line, probably a one tech, even though he doesn't want to hear that. Uh, but you like that, you know, he's going to try to stay lean and trim and, and and continue to keep his athleticism and play three tech. So I think Zion is probably the most underrated player in the state. I have to think about that. I'm sure there's some others. Um, but then obviously everybody knows Decorian more if you follow recruiting
0: agree. Anything you'd want to add to that coach?
3: Uh, I would definitely want uh, to Corey Moore man for, for my offensive pick. Um, can't miss what's, special
0: about, what's special about Moore? Uh,
3: I mean Moore has all he has a package from the from releases to speed catching the ball with his hands um, you know he, knowing when to sit down in the zone like that's very hard to do at a guy for his age right no knowing when to slow down and kind of let the defense they take move move past you and sit sit in that zone right and get in that window um but he just does it all and that, a lot of things you have to learn once you get to the next level he already has it do you have
1: a defensive guy coach i mean you haven't been fully immersed in this uh recruiting cycle all that long but you know i know uh you've seen riley pettigone i believe and uh is there any any guys that you see as can't miss on defense
3: um that would oh, i would win riley or um i would win riley or uh, Dylan Battle. I, I like Battle a lot. I like, I like big guys in the trenches, honestly, because they affect the game before everybody else. So yeah. I don't like Dylan Battle, but I like Riley Pettigian a lot. I think he can do it all. I don't think he has to come off the field at all. He can play all three downs, cover, stuff the run, whatever you need him to do. So uh, anybody that plays in the box, that's my pick.
2: The big guys are also a priority in high school recruiting because they're not as abundant in the transfer portal. Right. Everybody yeah. snatches them up out of high school because they're big and they're obvious yep. but Elsie um future class i'm not sure i, I don't want to do the math right now currently only in second grade but uh there's going to be a, a central texas quarterback that showed a great knack in timing routes today Ooh. At, at the park in michigan great. Um, he may top out at about five nine, 145 as a senior we'll see how that goes but okay but uh, um, uh, so I wish here. I
0: wish Paul was here because his immediate question would be, how can we tamper? Do you have any insight on how we might be able to tamper with that player? Um, I might know a guy. OK, great. And uh, what kind of incentives is this kid looking for? Cookies, uh, snacks, Rice Krispie treats.
2: Uh, You know, actually, he's pretty persnickety.
0: Oh, um, that, that I don't doubt.
2: Well, it's, it's going to take uh, it's going to take the right it's going to take the right package to to get that lined up.
0: No cheese,
2: nothing with cheese,
0: nothing with cheese. Okay. Good. Uh, This is lactose intolerant, all-star quarterback coach. I've got a question for you. What, what are the, when you're looking at spring ball and I know it's, we are months away from spring ball, but it's what people like to talk about in the doldrums here. What, what are some, if you're in the coaching room, what are three things that you just have to get done during spring ball or else your season is ruined? Um,
3: Install of the playbook, and I know it may sound early, but that's really when you're able to see who who's able to grasp the playbook and see what they know. So you see how much you can add on going into summer and fall camp. Uh, who your competitors are, who, who's the guys that are going to compete, or you, who your leaders are. Right, that's important because you need to know who's going to uh, lead the team because every every year, every team is different. It's a new team every year, so you got to find out who your leaders are. And the third thing is who can be consistent. Um, that determines to me. Well, in the coaching staff, you know, you start setting your depth chart. In the spring, if you ask me, you really do, because you know who you can count on, on and off the field. And so those three things to me are very, very important.
0: If you had to pick a couple players, and I'm just throwing you in the spot here, Eric, one or two that you see making a massive jump on the depth chart in spring ball. Uh, Well,
1: Dre Bledsoe, he's kind of getting it by, you know, attrition with the guys ahead of him, but he's going to earn the playing time too. Um, You know, every time we talk to sources about, about the team, who they're excited about, Dre Bledsoe is is always mentioned. Uh, Warren Roberson is always mentioned too, just because he's such a dog. Both those guys are dogs. I put it in my notes. Somebody asked me today the the five the five toughest players, the five the five most dogged guys on the team. Uh, those two will definitely make it. I'm gonna I'm gonna figure out the other three uh, after talking to some people. But both those guys have elite athleticism. And they also have that football mentality out on the field. They could maybe be a little more consistent, uh, like what coaches just talking about. It a, a lot of it boils down to reliability with the uh, with coaches. They want to know who they can trust in the fourth quarter. They're not going to you know jump offsides or or get a bad penalty. Um, yeah, those those are two right there that jump out to me that have a chance to like, you know, if if uh, if they had to start Warren Roberson this this year, they'd be they'd feel perfectly fine about it. And the same goes with Dre Bledsoe and those guys. You know, barely saw the field last year,
2: Eric. Eric, where would he, where would he play if he had to start?
1: Roberson's at corner. Yeah. so He's going to back up Brooks. Gavin Holmes. uh, I think he's going to back up Brooks. Yeah.
0: Ian, I wanted to, this is something that we've talked about, but I want to, I want to have this conversation a little bit uh, redundantly or again, rather now that we've got coach on there's been, you've been talking to us a lot about moving to more single high and those, those specific schemes what do, you, what do you see? How do you see that manifesting itself in the spring? Do you see them finally getting to that point? We've obviously, we've, we've seen, you know, hints of it moving forward. And it's, it's obviously a scheme they want to move to more frequently.
2: They have to, the spring is where you have to do that. You got to find out, can we pull this off? Does this set us back too far if we try to make this I mean, they have single high schemes anyway. They're going to play a role. But if you're talking about, like, this is going to be our mainstay next season instead of the, the two high quarters stuff that's that's the primary coverage package right now, then they have to be, at the very least, they have to experiment a lot with it in spring. And probably they have to install it wholesale. Coach, I would really like to hear what Coach has to say about this.
3: Yeah, uh, I think you if they go to it, you gotta allow your corners to uh, play to their strengths, right? You can't teach everybody to play the same technique. Every corner is different, they have different abilities. So, if you're gonna switch to that, let these corners play to their strengths and teach them to that, right? You can't just teach them all the same. Uh, I think it allows you to stop the run because you're losing Sweat and you're losing Murphy. So, it puts an extra guy in the box. But uh, you're gonna be, ag- let them be aggressive at the line of scrimmage and be more of attack uh, up front. Let everybody attack, right? I know it's kind of like everybody plays a gap, two gap, and sometimes. Let everybody attack If you're going to install it, install it in the spring like N said, and then let them get comfortable playing it so that they gain confidence throughout the spring. And they're going against a, group, a good group of guys on offense that mm-hmm. can really test them and get them better. So, yeah, install it in the spring and let them compete at it and then teach them to their strengths.
2: So, he I mean, Coach – sounds like Coach is almost more saying, like, you got to commit now so that you can fine-tune it.
3: You do. Um, That's the only way. I wouldn't do so- it in the summer.
2: We'll, we'll we'll find out. We'll find out what they. Uh, well, maybe we won't find out because they tend to be pretty secretive when they make things big changes like that. But
1: well, they, I just took a note to find out which guys are better in man and which guys are better in zone. We'll just kind of go down the list and see what what we find out and, and see if they they kind of build around that.
0: Yeah, yeah. that makes sense. Yeah. Let's. Uh, there's a question about our interior D line, and there's actually two. Two different questions relating to the same thing. Victor's uh, a little bit worried about the interior line, especially with Sweat and Murphy gone. Are, are there any updates from the team side on Sadir? I know he is obviously a New Jersey native. It's the Garden State. So he's probably going to be wearing a lot of black leather during the game. So is that going to slow him down? What, what do we see from Sadir going into this? Well, his,
1: his mullet's coming in nicely. Uh, Naturally. The, the New Jersey turnpike. Whatever. Yeah, it's NJT. Yeah, he's right on time. You know, it's not he's not an immediate impact guy. That's why, you know, I think expectations were a little too high from everyone is excited to beat Georgia for him. Uh, Coming out of high school, that's going to add a lot of uh, that's going to build up his reputation. But, you know, he's right on time. He's going to be counted on for snaps this season. I don't think he's going to take on a starring role, but I think he's going to play play well. I think the guy I'm really watching to to possibly become that one technique will be uh, will be Tia Savella. He's working really hard. He's doing all kinds. Of, he's 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 impressing people in the weight room with his strength. Obviously, you've got to you've got to have good lower body strength mm-hmm. to survive down there, especially if you're on the smaller side. He's you know three oh five. We can debate whether or not that's small these days, uh, but I think Tia Sava is going to end up being the starter just based on what I'm hearing right now. But Sadir is going to play, and uh, I think that twenty twenty five. When I was looking at the roster cycle before and talking about it, a guy like Sadir Mitchell in year number three is is, is a big reason why I was looking at, at 2025. Anthony Hill is his third year in linebacker. I mean, these guys are going to be absolute monsters. Malik Muhammad is his third year at corners. He's going to be a stud. Um, but, you know, Sadir's going to be pretty good this season, I think. Um, but, you, know, you know, we'll see. I'm not – they don't seem too worried about it. Obviously, if if one of those Michigan guys went in the portal, all hell would break loose. Everybody would be going after those guys. But it seems like the Michigan <laughs> folks seems like they've
0: got that figured out. I mean, this is this is a popular question about our Michigan D line uh, yeah. opportunities. I mean, this is a I, I can take this away from you, Eric, so you don't have to answer the same question uh, over and over. But I, please, you can validate this or not. But it's we're very much in a wait and see position right here, right? There's there's no real inside track as to whether any of those guys are jumping in or am I way off?
1: Well, it seems like the Michigan side. It seems like they uh, they figured it out on the NIL, or at least they're starting to figure it out on NIL. And so, you know, those guys probably won't leave if they if they don't need to. If it financially makes sense for them to stick around, um, you know, they'll probably I, you know they'll probably stick it out with their teammates and the, the new coaching staff, having the uh, having continuity at least on the offensive side of the ball. I think you know having the head coach that the a familiar voice. I think that helps keep guys uh, bought in. But uh, yeah, we'll see. I mean, you, you never know. You could hear that they're coming back, coming back, and then the next day they're in the portal. Um, you know, so we'll see it. April fifteenth, I think that thing opens back up. It's gonna be it's gonna be interesting because the SEC will be an absolute feeding frenzy for those guys because the SEC cannot take in uh, inter uh interconference uh transfers. So they have to look outside. So that'll drive the market even more.
2: It's it's about. possible it's possible on the Michigan side that Harbaugh's departure actually opened the door for some uh beneficial NIL modernization. Beneficial, yeah. Yeah,
0: no. yeah, well, that was, about it. yeah. That was handled deftly. I think you guys did a good job of of uh, talking around the corners there. Let's talk. Let's talk Manny a little bit in that secondary. We were, we were talking earlier about our zone and and man coverages a little bit. What how are we feeling about Manny? I obviously Eric just alluded to him. He may be a year away from, no. from being an absolute monster. What are our thoughts? You, you're you're with it, Coach. You're now now good to yeah. go. Yeah. Now.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Definitely, man. I think his friends are. Uh, he's able to mirror. Um, he has an r- array of techniques that he can use at the line of scrimmage. If he's going to double hand jam you, full rush you, stab, you know, Miriam, he has it all. You know, he he understands what catch technique is and he's able to move his feet and get in front of his the receiver without, you know, grabbing him. And so he does a lot of things well. Uh, I think it's more about just grasping the game, right? Playing more, getting more reps and seeing more things, you know, when people run different concepts at him. But as far as getting out there playing man, like he has it all. He has all the tools, man.
1: Yeah, he, he they have him at boundary because that that position they require you to process a little bit more, and he was the guy that they put there. So as a true freshman, so he's going to be a stud. I mean, I I say he's going to be a stud in two years. He's going to be good next year too. I mean, he's probably a three year player, but that's a guy that that takes football very seriously. He, you know, treats his body right. You know, it's it's a it's a full time job for him.
2: I kind of like him in in single eye zone too. Um, he's got a little digs in him where he's he's really good off the ball and adjusting I believe is he the guy that uh that almost broke up that touchdown pass where against Washington where the like ball fluttered and then the guy he came from the other he came off his man on like the sideline to pick that route up and and deflected it it was almost a really good play by him I, he's he's really good in some of those he's pretty versatile but I, I really like him when he can kind of play back a little bit
0: Uh, this is a question to Ian and coach, please feel free to jump in, but do you, what are, are there anything, any specific X and O challenges against the SEC that, that wouldn't have necessarily manifested themselves in the big 12?
2: Well, it's actually more of a spread league than the big 12 is now. And some of the, some of the nastier spread styles and coordinators are actually in the SEC. So there's Levy who's gave Texas some trouble last year. Um, there's Josh Heupel who runs the similar system. There's Lane Kiffin that runs that system. Um, well, Kalen DeBoer now is a schematic problem, obviously, and he's in the SEC. Um, so it's they've kind of slowly started to pool a lot of the better um, offensive coaches. For a year, everybody was just trying to be Alabama and trying to out Alabama, trying to out Saban, Saban, and uh, that didn't work out for anybody except Georgia, and now he's gone. So uh, there's a lot more offensive innovation in that league now. Some of the problems that Texas has had in the Big 12 in the last decade um, are going to be – they they will need answers for them in the SEC. Coach?
3: Yeah. Um- I feel like it's a copycat league. Everybody tries to copy, but somebody does, right? So if the Big 12, they see what Texas struggles against in the Big 12, they're going to try to apply it in the SEC, right? Sure, I'm sure, sure next year we'll see an array of teams run three high states to look or give that umbrella look uh, from an XO point. They're going to try to steal that defense and run it. Um, so I really think, really just depends because those, some of those coaches from the SEC previously in the big 12, like they all change teams. To like these kids are hitting the portal. So I think you'll just see a copycat of what the big 12 done, all the successful teams and try to apply it uh, and use it against Texas. But
0: Is that, is this from the spread perspective, is that, is that a reason to focus more on a single high man coverage, knowing what they're going into, or is that just playing to the roster we have?
2: It kind of plays to, it kind of plays to PK and Nansen's strengths up front because those both of those guys have done a lot of their best work with uh, what you do up front is determined by what's happening behind you. Like the most important thing for a defensive structure is how you're covering. Um, and then from there that, that dictates how you pressure the quarterback, how you stop the run, everything else comes from how you're handling keeping guys out of the end zone. So uh, I think PK and then, and then incoming defensive coordinator uh, Nansen will are more comfortable working with single high. So I think that's why it would be potentially a good move for Texas. Um, single high versus quarters versus the spread. They both have strengths and weaknesses. Quarters is really popular for a reason. Um yeah i don't know if i could i don't know if i would say one is necessarily better than the other even for this roster other than just what the coaches are going to optimize coach
3: i'm think really thinking yeah so it totally goes by the roster right your strengths uh, what are they good at i think you want you run mostly of that whatever they're good at uh, but you got to be able to mix it up so i think you'll probably see a blend of um match quarters and man single high safety uh, you may get a couple, some tampa two in there you never know um we we ran a lot of that in the playoffs against Washington. We went to a Tampa two look a lot. Uh, most people really don't may not realize, but we ran a lot of Tampa two, um, and so maybe playing with that, who knows?
1: Let's say let's say they have a single high safety. Who who do you guys have back there? I mean, moving, huh? I'm
3: going Taff. I'm going Mike. Yeah, I <laughs>
1: see. I think Taff is. Do you know the, the blazing athlete or the guy that processes? Um, like an upperclassman, I think if you go Makuba, you kind of get a little bit more of that athleticism and also that processing. I'm not you know, I'm not sure.
2: He can cover in man, though, is the thing. Which so one's like, he? Sorry. If Taff is on the field, then it. you want Taff as the post safety so that Makuba is the guy that's in man.
1: That makes sense. That makes sense.
2: But I just, I mean, Taff, I mean, I'm sure we're going to see plenty of Taff next year, but the way things are going, we don't know if he's going to start because some of these other guys are so talented.
0: Yeah. yeah, he's
1: uh, going to play a lot, but I'm not
2: sure if he'll start either.
0: Yeah, I feel like that's, that guy keeps Vegas in business. Everybody bets against that kid. I mean, yeah. he's, he's always playing in the fields. <laughs> I totally get it. I totally get it. And did, staying in the secondary, what are we Have we at? I don't I think I know the answer to this. We haven't added any assistance or the staff to help out Joseph and Gideon, have we?
2: Well, not, uh, none that have stuck. Yeah, <laughs> right. they are too. Yeah, I've got good
1: news and bad news. Right, right. We're really committed to doing this. We just can't seem to keep them. Yeah. Oh, nah, I, haven't heard it. I haven't heard any new DB
0: assistants. I mean, that's something for me to check once a week, but I haven't heard of it. All right, guys. It is 41 past our hour. We want to appreciate all of y'all stepping in. If you don't have any more questions, I'm not going to cut off Ian tonight. For those of you that are that are playing at home, it's just not a nice thing to do. But um, it is good to know. Does anybody have any closing thoughts? Nope. Everybody's good. All right. From all of us here, we thank you very much.